You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome in to another edition of the Locked On Pacers podcast, where we, of course, talk about the Indiana Pacers as always. My name's Tony East. I cover the team for Forbes and the West Side Community News, and today is a very exciting day for me specifically because I don't have to talk about free agency. I get to talk about actual Pacers basketball games, players who will be playing for the Pacers this season, players who might not be playing for the Pacers this season. It doesn't matter. Summer League has been fun and exciting. They're meaningless games with no expectations, so it's super fun to watch these young guys grow and play against other potential NBA guys, see how they go, and we've gotten to see that from the Pacers. We've gotten to see some of the Pacers' style, uh, how they might be playing in the regular season. You know, I, I, as head coach of the Summer League team, Pacers assistant coach Mike Weinar, right, has talked about how they're trying to implement stuff. Uh, so I know that that Weinar would not be running stuff completely different from what Carlisle will do, so I want to break that down as well, what we'll learn about the Pacers from the rest of the Summer League. And then Torrey Craig still hasn't officially signed. I'll explain why. I've gotten some questions about it. He will. Don't worry. But I want to explain why. But, for, but let's start with... The fun stuff. Summer League is happening. The Pacers have played two games. They lost both. I do not care at all about the results of these games. All I care about is how do the important players look? And really, how does everybody look? Because you would like to get a feel for any guy that the Pacers feel like deserves a spot in the organization. But how do the key guys look? What's important here? So they lost to the Knicks by eight in their first game on Monday after a COVID delay. They lost to the Hawks on a buzzer beater from Sharif Cooper. That made me happy uh, on Tuesday. Um, but but the big, biggest takeaway for a lot of people is Chris Duarte is looking good. And let's start with this before we talk about any Summer League thing. In Summer League, everything deserves a massive asterisk, caveat, whatever you want to call it, that it's Summer League, right? Some of this might not translate at all. Some of this might translate perfectly. It's impossible to say. But Josh Shelby's Summer League MVP did not get him anywhere in the NBA. Chris Dunn was better than Trey Young in Summer League. We all see how that has turned out, right? Like, Summer League is meaningless. You know, you just you want to see skills. You want to see what guys can do against the best competition they've played in before in their life to think about what they could be in the NBA. Don't take this at don't take anything in summer league as wow, this guy's better at this than I thought or worse at this than I thought. Like it's four games. Like it could just be he's hot for a week, he's off for a week, whatever. But let's start with Duarte, who I'm about to proclaim league MVP. No, I'm kidding. Um, but he has already hit three buzzer beaters, which is just ridiculous. But what's really impressive to me is Duarte, and Jay Michael included this in his story, The Indy Star, but he didn't really force it in their first game against the Knicks, right? He had eight shots. The Knicks were kind of blitzing him. They put him in doubles, and he kept his composure. He'd back it out and then pass. He had three assists in that game. Uh, he had half his shots. He had three of his seven threes. He had some pull-up threes, which is good. Like, if he can hit off the dribble threes, that will help his NBA status. My thoughts about the pick quite a bit you know that that seems that's always an important skill but if you can hit a, a one or two dribble move three you know you're, you're valuable like in any group you could play point guard like you could just walk it up and shoot so good to see some of those in the second game clearly more of a focus to make him the lead scorer he is assist went down he only had two but he had 21 points uh eight of 19 from the field at half of his threes so it's kind of looking like some of the scouting report stuff from oregon is remaining true early in the summer league stuff where Duarte is a play finisher, right? When he's catching the ball to shoot a three or he's taking a one or two dribble move to shoot a three, he can hit it. But when he's forced to get by someone or have burst to the rim, that's when he really struggles, right? He he was three of nine on two pointers. 
uh, against the Hawks on Tuesday. He was one. He only he had his only two pointer against the Knicks the day before. But that is four for ten. He's shooting forty percent on twos because he's not creating a ton of separation on his drives, and he doesn't quite have the reads going around picks yet on how to get to his spots and score in that way. So limited as a self creator, but looks good in general as a play finisher. His defense has been great. Uh, that's something that's very important. His team defense, especially, he's always in the right spot. He can read what the other team is doing, which is very. Very important for him and, and how he'll fit in Carlisle's style. So Duarte, the lottery pick, the most important guy for Pacers fans to be keeping an eye on out in Summer League. He looks pretty good. Uh, the, 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 early, the early signs for him are impressive. The other guy, the other first-round pick, Isaiah Jackson, tough read for him in the first game because they played the Knicks, and he got... He confirmed this in his in his media session, something I kind of suspected on yesterday's podcast. Chad Buchanan, the Pacers GM, came down to the bench to tell Isaiah Jackson that he had passed his physical and was like cleared to play during the game, like at the end of the first quarter, right? So he couldn't play much. He hadn't practiced with the team. He had just seen stuff. And in that first game, you just saw him running around and setting screens and, and stuff like that. He only played seven minutes, so I, I don't want to glean too much from that game, although his energy was everywhere and he had a team-high two blocks against the Hawks. He played 17 minutes, right? They they got him in. They they let him run or be a part of some plays, be more in the action. And wowee, Isaiah Jackson, I think, was compared to my expectations, the most impressive pacer through these first two games of summer league. He had 13 points and 12 rebounds against the Hawks. He was just absolutely everywhere. Actually, he's not the the guy most over expectation. I just thought of someone else, but second most. Uh, was still great on defense. His activity is ridiculous. Like he's just everywhere. He's so fast for a guy his size. Uh, he he's got great instincts on the glass. Good finisher. Had a nice, great alley oop from Chris Duarte. So I think playing with better players, given what he's good at, will help him so much. Like he could really pop compared to compared to expectations. It, he had a nice over the head pass to set up a bucket at the rim. Like. He can read the game pretty well, and he's really quick and athletic. Like, There's a chance that he just pops pretty quickly in the NBA if that kind of stuff. It's not going to translate right away. Like Rookies are bad. I don't want to, to gas up expectations. Again, this is summer league, but I think playing with better players is going to make his skills show up more than playing with college players or playing in, in slower, less skilled systems like you would in the NCAA. So those two guys, Duarte and Jackson, both uh, at or above expectations, doing good stuff, showing the skills they showed. In college, which is important that they can do it at a level up. The other important guys, one is O'Shea Brissett. Uh, he uh, is an NBA player, so he should look like one of the best players on the court when he's playing. Uh, he had a team high 22, or excuse me, the second most points on the team with 22 in the first game. We'll get to someone else who's important here in a second who beat him, but uh, was doing well, trying to get better clearly at getting to the rim, using his strength and balance, and he's driving a lot. He's creating opportunities. He drew, drew five fouls, 10 free throws, hit them all. So he had 22 and seven and three assists in that first game. He looked really good against the Hawks. Again, he couldn't quite finish, but he was drawing the fouls, right? So he ends up with 13 points in that one, despite shooting three of 12, six rebounds, three assists, right? So he's looked pretty good. He's looked very much head and shoulders above other guys on the court. I think Duarte outplayed him in the second game, but he's looked like an NBA player, which is good for him. Uh, you know, he played summer league with the Clippers two years ago before his rookie year with the Raptors, and he didn't look this good, right? So he's clearly better than that, and duh, we know that, but... You know, for an NBA level player, you want them to look like the best player a lot of the time, and he has. So that's big for O'Shea. Uh, and then the two-way guys of note. Uh, first up is Dwayne Washington Jr., who is currently on a two-way. And I was wrong earlier about Jackson because Washington is the guy most above my expectations. Like I knew he could shoot. He took a ton of threes at Ohio State, but he's been like driving a little bit, creating some stuff off the bounce. So 
In the first game against the Knicks, Washington was the team's leading scorer with 23. He hit eight of nine shots, all five of his threes. Uh, had a nice assist, right? He's looked really nice, uh, and I, I think that that shooting is going to be helpful for him in the NBA. But at Ohio State, one of his things is that he was streaky. In game two, he was one of six from the field, one of four from deep for only four points, but still was a nice controller of the game. I believe uh, he's handled the ball quite a bit. Yeah, he has zero turnovers in the two games, right? So he's been very impressive to me in, in his ability to kind of get to a spot he likes and, and move around the perimeter and be a threat moving, which is really good. Uh, for a two-way guy, I think he's got a potential to be a very useful piece for Fort Wayne. And and if the Pacers get really injured and they absolutely need him in the rotation, I'm sure that he can can provide some shooting threat and be good. The other two-way guys who are fighting for a two-way spot, you know, per all indication, not per necessarily reporting. This is mostly conjecture. But Cassius Stanley and Amita Brima, the two-way guys last year. Brima is on a very small minutes load. Right? He played 11 in the first game and, and 10-50 in the second game. He, he has taken uh, all of one shot in summer league. It was the first game. First shot of their second game, he hit it. Uh, he's been better on the glass uh, in both games and and has been good on defense and stuff he's normally good at. But it's hard for him to show some impact with that few of minutes. Uh, he, he's done well to be open under the basket and try to make plays, but nothing about him has stood out to me with Cassius. I mean, he had a rough go of it in the first game. He only played 11 minutes, didn't score or didn't hit a shot from the field, excuse me. Uh, but his defense has been good in both games. And then in the second half against the Hawks, Cassius really finally started to pop. He had a bunch of threes. He ended up shooting five of seven from the field, 14 points in that game, two assists, one steal. So for the first six quarters of these first two games, Cassius and, and Amita were both pretty underwhelming to the point of like maybe they look elsewhere with a two-way if they're really trying out guys from Summer League. Uh, for that spot, but Cassius in the second half of that second game uh, might gave himself an edge. I think uh, there's still two, there's still excuse me, three more games they have to play, so it's too early to say anything uh, of of importance there. But Cassius, very nice second half in that Hawks game, got him on the floor for much more of it. Uh, everyone else, is, oh, Kiefer Sykes, Kiefer Sykes, excuse me, uh, and Terry Taylor are two guys who are going to be in camp for the Pacers uh, this year. Terry Taylor, two DMP CDs, has not played in either game, which is super interesting to me that they would have him in training camp but not even play him, right? Like, I don't, I don't understand the value of that. Maybe there's an injury there or something. I don't know what the priorities are there, but th- that's interesting. Sykes, uh, who also has a camp deal for the Pacers, was not good at all in their in their first game. Uh, one of four from the field, three assists, a turnover, four fouls. Um, but they played him even with him out there, so he's kind of a good organizer. And then the second game against the Hawks, Sykes uh, had three points, and they were a plus 22 when he was in the game, right? So he is a not a good defender, a lot of fouling, not really a great creator for his teammates, but he gets guys organized, and he's quick and speedy enough that you know he, he's just helpful. They were, again, plus minus in a summer league game, what am I doing? right now but he, he's looked fine I guess everyone else is guys who you know are fighting for that last camp spot or were good with the Mad Ants last year no one's been particularly awesome I thought Devin Robinson who was good for the Mad Ants last year would stand out a little more than he has but nothing super interesting there Benny Boatwright was very good uh for the first in the for five minutes in the first quarter of the first game but he got injured I hope that his sore knee, uh, he can get over that and, and get back on the court because he was looking like the guy with the inside track to get the Pacers' last roster spot. And then Ty Wallace, who has two years of NBA experience, he closed the game against the Hawks. The Pacers were winning going into the final possession of that game. Uh, Mike Weinar talked about switching defense being important there. Wallace has been also kind of like Sykes, a pretty good organizer, I think, but has been forcing stuff very turnover-happy. 
uh, in his minutes so far out there, but has looked generally fine uh, and looks like an NBA player, though has struggled to finish plays. So I think in general, a lot of the important, really important guys are playing well, and then a lot of the lesser important but important guys are not playing well at all. So I think that if one of O'Shea uh, or Cassius or Brima has a very nice game in their third game, they play again on Thursday, uh, then the Pacers will win that, get their first win. Because they, they've been right in it with both of these teams, uh, which, which I mean, that, that it's stupid. It's summer league wins and losses don't matter. But the other teams have like more NBA caliber players than the Pacers roster does. So we'll see how that ends up shaking out for them in the future. But what have they done stylistically that is interesting to me? Uh, let's talk about that and head, what head coach Mike Weinar is having these Pacers do. But first, let's take a short little break and talk about two great groups of people. The first one being the awesome people over at Headspace because wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep and focus and act better? Well, there is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. They're one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can help you feel better. Need some help falling asleep? They've got wind-down sessions their members swear by. For parents, they have meditations for you can do with your kids. Their approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. It's backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and 60 million downloads. Go check it out. You deserve to feel happier in Headspace. Is meditation made simple? Go to headspace.com slash locked on MBA, all one word. That's headspace.com slash locked on MBA for a free one month trial with access to their full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on MBA today. And we're also talking about the great folks over at Built Bar. It wouldn't be locked on Pacers without it because Built Bar is making the best tasting protein bars ever. My next mixed package is in the mail, but they are 100% covered in chocolate, soft and easy to chew protein bars that come in so many amazing, delicious flavors. They're so good that they sell out really fast, but the mix box is always there, uh, and you got to try it. it. It's got, I think, nine. They're nine most popular flavors. You get two of each of them, uh, and they're double chocolate, and that's really good. The cookies and cream is really good. Uh, they have a bunch of fruit flavors, and they're all delicious, and they're all healthy, too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only 4 to 5 grams of sugar, only 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, all flavors, all tasty, all healthy, and they're the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. So go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your order. That's all one word, promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. I'm 15 minutes in, I haven't even talked about the styles of the summer Pacers, which has been very interesting to me. And I kind of talked about this stuff yesterday. In fact, I kind of did a lot yesterday. And I spoiled too much of this. I'm kind of mad at myself. But Mike Weinar, uh, longtime assistant under Carlisle, he was on the uh, on the Mavs staff for their championship in 2011. He coached the Mavs summer league team, I think, more than once. Anyway, he's here to, to get players to learn more about the Pacers system to show us what we can see more of. And I used a lot of buzzwords yesterday, and I'll probably stick to some of those. But something he said today made me very interested uh, in in what he said and, and what it means for the Pacers this year. And he was talking about the end of this Hawks game, and the Pacers lost. Uh, it had nothing to do with the thing I'm about to talk about. But um, their, their, their end-of-game strategy was pretty good. They, they fought the Hawks even. They got the lead. They should have won if, if they didn't throw the ball in under their own basket with just a few seconds left, Cassius Stanley. But I get why he tried to do that in the moment. Anyway, 
He said, Mike Weiner, during his interview at the end of the game, the lineup they had out there, which I believe, I could be wrong, but I know I'm going to get most of the guys right. Ty Wallace was in, O'Shea Brissett was in, Cassius was in, Duarte was in, and Isaiah Jackson was in. I believe that was the Pacers' five at the end. He said they liked that five because they could switch the most. And I talked about switching yesterday and how it's kind. Of, it was kind of eye-opening to see how much the Pacers were switching compared to the Pacers of old. And I knew that, you know, a new non-Nate named coach would switch more than we've seen the Pacers do in the last two years. But to hear that be the emphasis, or maybe not the basis, but like a key part of what they wanted to do defensively at the end of the game was so fascinating to me. And Ty Wallace is tall for a guard, and Isaiah Jackson can defend the perimeter. Cassius O'Shea, Duarte, definitely all wing-sized guys. And we talked about this yesterday with guys who fit well with Carlisle. It seems like if we want to apply something to the, the actual Pacers, we'll see this season. It seems like they will like to switch on in their clutch defenses, and that's very popular uh, in the NBA these days, especially with like sideline out-of-bounds plays and stuff to like cut off the first option, you switch, or you get prepare for a switch or whatever. I think we're going to see a lot more of that from the Pacers, and I said that yesterday, but I think hearing that it's what the Pacers' intentional strategy was down the stretch of a game, and they had a lineup in specifically because it was good at that. Or maybe not specifically, but you know, one of the key things about it was it was good for that reason. It was very telling to me that you know maybe Carlisle doesn't match his opinions exactly, but that's something that Pacers will focus on is if they need a stop or if they're in a situation where defense is critical, they'll go to a switching lineup. And the Pacers have a lot of like-sized guys because Brogdon's tall for his position. They have a lot of forwards who can kind of switch and have some strength in the post. Uh, Justin Holiday, notwithstanding for his strength, but is a fantastic defender. Miles Turner can switch out on the perimeter. So I think they have lots of lineups there that Carlisle will like to go to at the end of games. Maybe even Isaiah Jackson, who is a rookie, but seems like he'll be a very good post player for switching situations. I'm That's way too rosy to talk about now, but just spitballing out loud at some of the Pacers' options here. So that's been very interesting. They don't switch everything, uh, and they, they have kind of dropped a little bit aggressively with their centers. That said, uh, Brian is starting at center, but when he's out, they don't, you know, Jackson, they kind of view as a four within the organization, and Devin Robinson is kind of a four as well. But they, they kind of planned on it, I think, at least. I haven't asked this because uh, of Goga's situation, but I think they planned on having Goga Brima be the center rotation for this team, and Goga being gone and Brima being on this short minutes leash uh, makes it hard to kind of analyze but a kind of aggressive drop like they have Brima come up really high at at the screens and then he's backpedaling a lot of the way back to the rim something Miles Turner will be very good at if he's asked to do that Sabonis we'll see but I think if he can you know get the angles right he can do it just as well not nearly as well as Turner but he can do it uh, he can do it well enough I guess so that's been interesting to see how they cover those pick-and-roll situations. When they don't have Brima in the game, they're a little more switchy on those, like I said, uh, because they don't have a center in, and they, they have more like-size switching options at that point. On offense, um, you know, there is a lot of off-ball movement. They, they've run some interesting stuff. Caitlin Cooper's all over the – who was on the Indiana Raptors stuff last year for Indy Corners, already getting the thread started for uh, the Indiana Mavericks, which, which was funny to me. But, yeah, some interesting stuff, some fun – Double drag sets to start possessions. They love getting into a screen for the ball handler like right away on a lot of possessions. Um, and it's been a variety of guys. Sometimes it comes from the wing. Sometimes there's some Iverson action uh, with a ghost screen, right? Sometimes there's double drags, some floppy, like some standard stuff, but it's not nearly as complex as Bjorker and with 
stuff happening in the background as well or you know as many options they have to go through the reads of it feels like they just go to double drag they've got their rollers the wing relocates if that's not there you reset do something else simple that's kind of what it's felt like to me and sometimes the summer league it's more dumbed down in general anyway because these guys aren't on a team together they have fewer practices right it's just different and and you don't even know which of these guys are going to be on your team or on your training camp roster but that's kind of how it's felt to me watching what's going on so far uh, it seems like they're also very aggressive at, at pushing for rim uh, opportunities, right? They, they don't exactly have a lot of good creators at getting to the rim. Like Jordan Bowen, their starting point guard, can get can get into the lane a little bit, but not quite far enough to create something. And Sykes is too small for it, so they're limited on on the guys who have the ball a lot being good creators. Like they've been very low in assists these two games: 15 assists against the Hawks and uh, 18 against the Knicks so low assists because they, they have tr- they, they're trying to get to the rim they just don't have quite the right guys for it so they're doing well at generating threes and moving it around the perimeter and 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 you know using screens to free guys up and stuff and a lot of good transition stuff but some weak defensive moments switching is hard with guys you've never played with before and when you don't have guys who can get to the rim very well it's a little tougher when the actual Pacers are playing I think they'll be a little bit um better at that which is good to see and some mixing and matching of lines we have not seen very much at least i think for a few minutes maybe we have but not nearly as much just completely full bench units i'm not going to look at the rotation and act like it's going to reflect the pacers at all i wanted to think that it's something i could lean on but because of goga being out and just the way summer league is i can't lean on that at all and i'm probably doing too many takeaways from summer league games anyway but i just wanted to talk about what i'm seeing from players and the team and and how it will relate to the actual Pacers right because some of these guys will be on the roster many of them at least four or five will be in training camp and many of them could actually make the final roster so seeing how they play in a system the Pacers and their current coaching staff have designed and seeing how they play together is very important it could matter for the season I mean one guy O'Shea could be in the Pacers rotation this season right so seeing him pop and, and and try to add some strength in driving right he's been good on balance of shot fake drive and draw foul or something so it's 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 been all been fun and exciting to see and it makes me excited to watch the actual Pacers this season but let's talk about free agency a little bit today uh because I got in this question a few times of why haven't the Pacers officially signed Tory Craig and there's a few kind of reasons for that we'll get into it but first I gotta talk about the great folks over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Baseball season in full swing. The Phillies, I said this already this week, but looking good, coming into that wild card picture. Uh, And you can get the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB. NBA Summer League stuff is there, and some NBA futures. UFC MMA action all over at betonline.ag. Before the next pitch, before the next game tips, head over there on your laptop. Check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest info. For example, they just added... Odds to win the NBA championship, the Indiana Pacers next year are at plus 8,000. Wow. Uh, They're like the 20th odds, maybe like 19th or 18th. I don't want to count. But if you're interested in that, go check it out. BetOnline.ag. Head over to that website on your mobile device or your laptop, whatever you use. Sign up today. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. All one word at checkout. Promo code LOCKEDON. BetOnline.ag. Your online sportsbook experts. So we saw the introductory T.J. McConnell presser. Chris Duarte is officially signed. Isaiah Jackson is officially signed. And I got it twice today, I believe, on Twitter. Why isn't Torrey Craig signed yet? And there are a few reasons, um, but it's all cap stuff, so we'll talk about it. So Torrey Craig will be signed. There's no, like, issue or delay. 
to my knowledge at least, but I, I have no doubt in my mind Torrey Craig will be signing with the Pacers. He is in Vegas right now, I believe. He was in Phoenix before that, uh, so I don't know what exactly he was doing in Phoenix, but I know he was in Phoenix before that. I know he's been to Indy, right? Like he, He's been to a lot of the places required for him to be signed, but it's kind of an order of operations thing because he's coming out of the MLE. So McConnell can be signed because his cap hold is really high and it doesn't matter when they sign him. Early bird rights do not affect, do not hard cap you. They don't affect the timing of anything. They don't come out of any exceptions. There's no budget with it, right? Signing McConnell could have happened anytime. Your rookies, they have a cap hold equivalent to their maximum salary in their rookie year. Signing them to that number, 120% of the rookie scale, affects your salary cap none at all. Could do it whenever, right? That's the number of salary cap exceptions. So the Pacers can sign Isaiah Jackson and Chris Duarte whenever they want, and they did it. Same with the two-way guys, Dwayne Washington and the camp guys, right? They're, they're coming out of not budget things. Tory Craig is being signed with the mid-level exception. He has to be, right? He's getting two years, $10 million. I don't know what the exact, exact number is. That's the reported number. Sometimes these come in slightly below that. I don't know. It doesn't actually matter. The MLE is a budgeted thing. You know, the, the, the taxpayer mid-level exception is about $5.9 million. The full mid-level is about $9.5 million, Right? So signing Craig comes out of that. So the structure of his deal is very important. And that's why the Pacers are doing it last. Because you can make the MLE descending or ascending. Or you can really like change the bonus structure and raises depending on how you do the rest of your stuff. And if the Pacers want to use their full mid-level and, and sign Craig and then sign someone else using the rest of that, they could do that if they were able to get off of some salary. We've talked about Jeremy Lamb stuff ad nauseum. Uh, they, they could, right, if they're farther from the tax, they could decide to make it descending. So if they waive Keelan Martin, they could have done it after that, right? So the reason it hasn't happened yet is there were a lot of other stuff that the Pacers wanted to do that would make it smarter. And they could, they could structure it differently, right? Basically, they just... Them and, and Craig's agent, I, this is mostly conjecture, but this is sort of how this stuff works, is they get to an agreement with Craig's agent on, like, the years and the money, but not the specifics of, like, this year's higher than this year, or this, the exact number of year to year, right? Like, there's some discussion of that, but that's not super important. So the reason it hasn't happened yet is because it comes out of this budget. If the Pacers are able to free up money and use the rest of that mid-level, right, maybe they could waive Keelan Martin and free up a roster spot. Then they want to make... Tory Craig's deal start at the lowest amount they possibly can, so they could then have more spending power for someone else. Or maybe they are not anticipating a big salary dumping trade and they want to free up money next season or think about next season. Maybe they are going to make it a descending deal. Or maybe they're putting some bonuses or light guarantees in the second year. Maybe the total amount guaranteed would change if they structure it in one way or another, but they can't know that structure just yet until they have everything else completely done. McDermott's been signed and traded. Keelan's date has been pushed back, right? And Keelan's date being pushed back, we talked about this on Monday, indicates that they kind of like Keelan, but they didn't like him enough to keep him if his de his deadline was last Saturday. But they would like to potentially free up ways to keep him. And if they didn't think they could do that, they would have just cut him, right? So it's very possible the Pacers are, are thinking of making a trade or something uh, once they, and now that they've traded McDermott, they have the trade exception. They have all the tools they can to do the final shuffles to add Craig or do whatever they wanted to do with Keelan, right? So to me, that it was an order of operations thing. I tweeted that I don't think Craig will be signed until after a decision is made on Keelan, and that it has turned out to be correct. 
Um, but on top of that, because now Summer League's happening and all these execs had to fly to Vegas, that's where Tory Craig is, right? You, the, the order there, uh, you know, there's going to be some delays with that. So he will be signing with the Pacers at some point, but the order of operations is important here. And, and if it's possible that if it gets to like the 15th of the month, then, then you can even be more suspicious that the Pacers are going to make a trade and they're structuring his deal in some unique way or something like that. Uh, the Suns can't sign and trade him given uh, what the deal is reported to be. It's just too high. So, uh, yeah, he, he will be signed eventually, but there's some salary cap hoops that the Pacers had to jump through, and they have, but now their whole exec team is in Vegas, and I think they want to do a press conference. It doesn't matter when they do it, but it could be announced in the coming days, I think, uh, because, again, Craig and the Pacers executive crew are in the same place. They just had to get all their ducks squared away first, and it sounds like that that is all done. So, you could expect to see Tory Craig officially sign in the coming days, presser afterwards, TBD. But that's all for today. Uh, tomorrow, Adam and I will be back together to talk about where the Pacers stand in the East now after free agency happened and all these teams have shuffled their roster, including the Pacers. I think that will be pretty interesting. And then Adam will fly solo for the first time in a while Friday. He will not tell me what he's talking about. He never does that anymore. So that will be fun as well. So thank you guys so much for tuning in today. I hope you're enjoying all the Summer League fun. And we will see you tomorrow.